Knowing Jesus is the central issue in life. Not merely knowing about him, not simply studying about him, not just analyzing, critiquing, or debating about him, but knowing him. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. Knowing Christ personally, as he is revealed in scriptures, transforms our lives. Join us in our Jesus Up Close series as we learn from men and women who had face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus. We hope you enjoy. This is West Valley Christian, right? I, uh, <laughs> and you're probably going, who's that guy? Uh, I, I happen to be the lead pastor here, just haven't been around lately. And uh, I want to personally thank you. Uh, some of you know I've been traveling, and uh, thank you. The main, one of the main things is, Lord, just keep me safe and keep me healthy. And the Lord did that um, immensely, especially with health, with all the different uh, things. I was on my way home, flying home last night, and uh, I was doing some of the math, and I've flown 16,000 miles in the last three weeks and uh, over 25 hours in the air. So I am very grateful. And uh, I just want to give a public announcement here for every person that travels in an airplane. Don't lean your seat back, please. <laughs> If you travel, you know. Um, I am so grateful because we are closing out a series that we started at the beginning of the year, Jesus Up Close. And uh, I shared with you this whole idea for the theme of this year is Jesus, period. Can you say that with me? Jesus, period. And I said there's going to be all kinds of noise this year in election year. There's always noise, but it'll be exaggerated. And there's all kinds of opinions and nonsense and fear stuff. And really what's important for all of us is just to stay focused. Amen? And uh, it was kind of fun because... Uh, for those of you that don't know, I was out in Samoa and uh, was preaching at a church out there and got to talk about this very thing about Jesus period. And then on the way home, uh, Hawaii is about halfway and uh, we're kind of helping a church out there. Uh, it used to be called, I didn't know this until this last trip, it used to be called Pearl Harbor Christian Church. And I think it was started in the early 60s. And so um, they're literally about five, 10 minutes up from Pearl Harbor up on the hill. And uh, if you don't remember, we've talked about uh, this, I, this church is, you know, it was strong for a long time and then recently went through some really difficult leadership stuff. And I think it whittled down to about 50 probably people. I was out there in June preaching at the church. And um, this week, uh, this week, two weeks ago when I was preaching there, uh, Let's just say there was some transformation because they went from one service to two services, and it was almost 200 people. Amen? Amen? So that's, that's exciting stuff. But the reason I share that is because um, we're going to be talking about this word transformation today as we close out this series. And not only does God want to transform churches from, from bad to good, but he wants to transform our lives still today. Amen? So that's how we're going to close out this series, uh, Jesus Up Close. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for just all your traveling mercies. Thank you for uh, what you've done for us here as a church, Lord, that we are blessed to have the lights on, the doors open still, and we don't take that for granted. We continue to pray that you would surround this campus with your angels. God, uh, whether people are at home listening or uh, and during the week, uh, listening to this message or just right here, right now. God, we know that your Holy Spirit is present, but let us be aware of that. Let us pay attention to what you want to do in our hearts and our minds. I pray that you help me, God, 
uh, just physically and mentally. I, I, I pray that you help me to just be right here, right now, and do the best I can to communicate what it is that you want shared on this day. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, as we wrap up this Jesus up close, uh, I said this uh, four weeks ago, we may know the name of Jesus, we may speak the name of Jesus, we may talk the name of Jesus, we may even pray the name of Jesus. But the question is, have you encountered Jesus? Because it's one thing to know about him, and it's another thing to really have a relationship with him. Amen? So one of the neat things that happened is um, was out in Samoa and did a pastor's conference and did some preaching there. And then in Hawaii, just for 24 hours, preached there and then came home for about three or four days and then went to a pastor's uh, conference. And it, it was good for a lot of reasons. But one particular, uh, there were two guys that are pastors that I met at a conference, I'm guessing one or two years ago. And I, I, I knew their names. Uh, I knew a little bit about them. We had done a meal together. I could tell you their church. I could tell you, you know, the size of their church. And I could give you some basic information. But at this conference that I was at, I hung out with these guys a lot. And uh, two really neat guys. One is a pastor up in Maine. Did you know they have churches in Maine? <laughs> and they're blessed to have this, this young man, Keenan. Uh, he's about 32 years old. And he did basically what I did. He just transferred into the lead pastor role after a guy had been there uh, as the, 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 the founding pastor. And then there's a guy named Shannon, and he's uh, a pastor in Atlanta, Georgia. And we just did a lot of time together at this conference. And I could tell you a lot about these guys. I could tell you uh, 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 stuff about their wives. I could tell you stuff about their kids. I could tell you what they like to eat, what they don't like to eat. I could tell you... Um, how good they are in basketball or how not so good they are in basketball. I could tell you who they're rooting for tomorrow or tomorrow. Is it, it's today, yeah? Oh, by the way, there is a game today, right? Yeah. Uh, someone was asking me, they're like, uh, Pastor, who do you want? And actually, my son Easton asked me, Dad, who do you want to win? I said, is it possible for both teams to lose? Because that's what I want. <laughs> Sorry, I don't see. We had a bunch of Kansas, and you guys are all more mature. You got the known uniform. But anyways, um, but, but, but. The point is, I knew about these guys, but now I know these guys. Does that make sense? Because I hung out with them. And the same is true for Jesus. And I don't know where you're on this, 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 this timeline or this spectrum of, of knowing Christ, but my encouragement is we can know him more. Wherever you're at, there's more to know. And there's no secret to it. Like if my friend right here, Aaron, who led us in worship in a beautiful way today, uh, if he spends more time with Jesus, I could be encouraged by that, but that's his relationship with it. I need to spend time with Jesus. And so that's what we've been doing in this series is Jesus up close. So today we're looking specifically at this idea when we get up close with Jesus, he just may change our lives. And the word is transformation. Can you say that with me? Transformation. And, and the dictionary says this. This is the definition of transformation. A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance, right? That's what transformation is. A thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. So, so I'll give you some examples. Um, I looked this up. I can't believe it's been this long. The very first time this show came on was 20 years ago, The Biggest Loser. 
I don't know if you remember The Biggest Loser, but it was a show of people that were struggling with weight, and they'd come on the show, and, and they had someone that would help them uh, physically, uh, you know, with working out, and then they had a dietitian that would help them, and then the show, you would watch this, whether you agreed on how they did it or not, it was amazing, that last show. Because you, you would see uh, uh, maybe a lady that was 230 pounds all of a sudden weigh in and she's 120 pounds. And they'd show the before picture and the after and you're just like, oh my gosh, what an incredible transformation. Uh, there's another thing, you know, I was thinking, um, I, I've never seen one of these movies, The Transformers. Uh, my boys never had these toys. I don't have them, but I, I know it's a big deal. And it was funny because last service I said it, and, and the, actually it was the ladies that were able to give me the Optimus Prime, right? Did I say that right? Because I was like, Optimus, Optimus, and I hear some ladies go, Prime! I'm like, yes! So, you know, it doesn't matter, male or female. But, but what I do know is like Optimus Prime is like this robot kind of figure, and then he could transform into a semi-truck, right? So there's transformation there. Uh, there's all sorts of thoughts that we could think about, a worm, t- uh, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, that we've got transformation there. Uh, I was, like I said, I was just in Samoa, and the last time we were in Samoa was right before the pandemic. We brought a team out there. By the way, we're bringing a team out there, uh, most likely in July. I need, I need at least 10 of you to come with me, uh, because we're going to be doing a sports camp, a kids camp. And most likely, we'll be doing um, a, a medical clinic. So I just throw that out there shamelessly. Be praying about it. And uh, please give me a call at the church here and say, man, pastor, I, wanna, I want more information on that. Okay, so there's that. But, but, but Samoa, just in four and a half years. Now, it's a village with one road around <laughs> the whole island. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, there's all these small villages. But there's, there's a main town. And, and I, like I said, I've been there for a while. And most of the time I'm out in the villages and I'm sleeping on the ground, you know, like most people in the mosquito nets and all the, you know, eating fruit off the tree. And all, it's all, it's, it's wonderful. But <laughs> I was downtown this, this time. It was different. Oh my gosh. Less than five years. Like way more cars, way more roads, way more buildings. The big marketplace is all burnt down. So that's all gone. Um, and, and then the way the things people wore, you traditionally, uh, uh, you wear lava lavas, which is two yards of material, basically. And, um, and, and so men and women, that's what they wear. And, and you never saw really anything other than that. Uh, but boy, has that changed. Downtown, uh, you hardly even saw any uh, people wearing the lava lavas, especially the men. And women typically didn't have makeup and earrings. You saw a lot of makeup and earrings. So the point is, it, you know, cities can transform too. So you get this picture of transformation, but today we're going to look at a story in the Bible of probably one of the bigger transformation stories. Uh, I'm not going to say the biggest, and we're not going to, you know, life changes, life change, amen? But this one's a pretty big deal. And so we're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And if you've heard this story, look at it fresh through the eyes of what we're going to be talking about. And if you've never heard this story, hold on to your seat because this is crazy transformation. If you're taking notes, write this down, before Christ, before Christ. So Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, what's his name? Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Okay, let's put this in context. If we were to say what that means for today, this guy was out to kill Christians. 
okay? He was, he was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went f- to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, which is basically the church, or if there were any Christians there, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Do you see kind of his heart? You see who this guy Saul is all about? You don't have to agree or disagree with them, but this passage allows us to know, and I'm gonna say the before Christ, okay? This, if you're doing it, if, you're, if you've been asked to share your testimony as a Christian, you have, uh, you're in a Bible study and someone says, share your testimony, or the pastor says, I'd love to uh, have you share your testimony. Really what we're doing is we're testifying about Christ. And a testimony can be very intimidating. Even people today uh, in the lobby on the way out were saying, man, I, I, I've always been intimidated about sharing my testimony. I want to say something. Your testimony is powerful. And, and, and by the way, and I'm going to go off topic here a little bit, because one of the ladies, we were talking, uh, there was three of us, and she's like, man, I've just, you know, my testimony, I was pretty much raised in the church, I was pretty much a good girl, and I, I don't have a story of drugs and alcohol and prostitution and all that kind of stuff, and so I just, and I just looked at her and I said, no, 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 stop right there, do not apologize, that is a testimony, and that's a testimony that I think most of us want. Uh, most of us would trade in most of the heartache and, and the bad decisions we've made to say, yes, I followed, I learned Christ at an early age and I followed him, I'm still following him. Amen? So if that's you today, do not head, hang your head in shame. You ought to be standing up saying, thank you, Jesus. And there's people that need to hear that, especially our kids that are being raised in the church. They need to know that you don't have to go sideways to be a Christ follower. Amen? Back to the sermon. <laughs> But a testimony is made up of three things. Who you were before Christ, your encounter with Christ, and who you are after Christ. That's a testimony. And, and, and every one of us who are Christ followers, we should be able to share our testimony. Be prepared to give an answer in all moments of life. Who was I before Christ, my encounter with Christ, and who I am with Christ? All right? So we're kind of looking at Paul, uh, Saul. We're looking at Paul's testimony when he was Saul, and we're seeing that Saul, before Christ, he was an angry man. Uh, and, 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 and it might even be called a righteous anger, right? Because he was really, he really believed what he was doing was what God wanted him to do. Like he really believed that, you know, we're the chosen people and that this guy walking around saying that he's the Messiah is not the Messiah and that these guys are false prophets. And so in a way it was righteous angry, but he was angry. He was very passionate about, now let me give you some, some other just facts about this guy that might be fascinating to some of you and uh, others you might go, oh, but, but just hold on here, all right? We're told that his name is Saul we told that he's breathing out murderous threats against Christians. We know that he's from the, the ancient city Tarsus and was a religious terrorist. Literally, he was a religious terrorist. He was passionate about protecting the Jewish faith. He had a powerful background. And, and you look at Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. And he's just kind of going through this, this list of, of, of his credentials. But he says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of what? Benjamin. A Hebrew of what? 
Hebrews. That might not mean much to us, but that's a big deal. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee, another big deal. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, I'm faultless. So we could also even read into these words. He's a little arrogant, a little conceited. We may even go as far as to say he's prideful, right? But he's definitely confident. He's definitely confident. He's just rattling off and he's given all of his information on the Hebrew of Hebrews. You see, he was a pure bread. You see, you could be Jewish if your mother was. Just if your mother was, you could be Jewish. But both his parents were Jewish. His tribal roots were impressive. There's 10 tribes. And, and, and even though the tribe of Benjamin was a small tribe, it was a spiritual giant amongst the tribes. And so he's just going, Hebrew, check. Jew, check. Benjamin, check. Pharisee, check. Zealot, check. Like, I'm all that. I am all that. And then, and then that last line is just, oh my gosh. Righteousness based on the law, faultless. <laughs> like literally, he's just saying, I don't do nothing wrong. 600 plus laws, I'm walking a squeaky clean, clean life. Well, good for you, Saul, right? He was culturally a Greek which we're not going to press into that, but that's a big deal. He grew up at the crossroads of the world influence of education. He was a spiritual zealot. And what is a zealot? A zealot has uh, strong opinions and wants everyone to know him. That was Saul. Uh, his days were spent memorizing just, just the Old Testament, gobs of the Old Testament. He just spent his day mes- mesmerizing and memorizing the Old Testament. He was a member of the elite Jewish uh, leadership. He spent a lot of time guarding against corruption of other beliefs, including what? Christianity. So that's who this guy Saul is. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 3. But Saul began to destroy the church. Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them into prison. He had a hot head and a cold heart. He had a hot head and a cold heart. How are you feeling about this guy, Christian? Like literally, he was the opposition. It was interesting at this pastor's conference, I think there was a couple hundred of us pastors, simultaneously in the same place was an atheist conference going on. Is that a hoot? And there was some stories of some encounters. I didn't have any of those encounters, but uh, I got to hear some of them. But the, the, the truth is, like, like that's the enemy, If you're a Christ follower, not only is he the enemy, but he's a well-known enemy. Like you're you're like, watch out for this guy, Saul. You don't want him around your family. As a matter of fact, Saul might have been the one that put one of your family members to death. So you may really have a problem with this guy, Saul. And yet that's who this is. This is his before story. This is who he was before Christ. It says again in Acts Chapter 8, verse 3, but Saul began to destroy the church. Some, some passages or some translations have this said as Paul began to wreak havoc on the church. Havoc means this, destruction that would be infected by, uh, inflicted by a wild boar trampling in a garden. That's a word picture for you, isn't it? It's not just two-year-olds that, right? 
right here, havoc, destruction that would be inflicted by a wild boar trampling in a garden. Saul is like a wild boar trampling in the garden when it comes to the church. When it comes to Christians, he would just go in there and just stomp all over them and make a mess. Skip Isaac says this, Saul saw Christianity as a heretical cult that defamed the God of Israel by exalting a man called Jesus. And Saul measured his spiritual fervor by his hatred of Christianity. So do you have a better picture of who Saul is? His before Christ? Now I want to stop right there and I have a question to ask you sitting here in 2024. And this is for all of us, whether we're just visiting uh, a church for the very first time, we don't know anything about Jesus, or this is for the Christ follower of 50 years. It's the same question. Who were you before Christ? Oh, pastor, I know what the book says in Philippians. Forgetting what is behind, straining towards what was ahead. Pastor, you're not supposed to bring up the past. And for the most part, I would agree. I mean, we can't live in the past because I like that saying, when the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Amen? That's when we used to have bumper stickers. <laughs> but I do think it's healthy once in a while just to, just to stick your head in the past for just a moment to remember who you were before Christ. Because I think if you're anything like me, you look at yourself and go, man, I could still be so much better. I could think better. I could act better. I could speak better. I could be less this. I could be more that. Does anyone else deal with that? And so sometimes we, we live so much in that, oh, I could be better, that we really forget what Christ has done for us. And partially why we forget what Christ has done for us is we forget who we were before Christ. Does that make sense at all? And so I ask these questions of myself and I ask them of of you. Like, how did you think before you said yes to Christ? What were your morals like before you said yes to Christ? How did you spend money? What was your mouth like? What was your anger level like? What were your priorities like? Where did you allow your feet to go and where did you allow your feet not to go? Does that make sense? Like, who were you before Christ? Because that's the before story. And then as we talk about testimony, the second part is your up-close moment with Christ, right? It's your encounter with Christ. And, and that's, that's, that's gonna be seen right here. We're gonna see Saul's encounter with Christ. Are you with me? Acts chapter 9, verse 3. Acts 9, verse 3. And he he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who, Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. Now you can imagine, right? This is their fearless leader. This is the guy that's leading them to to Damascus and they're gonna go find out some of those Christ followers and we're gonna imprison them and we're gonna have them killed. And, and, And all of a sudden their great leader 
is not so great. <laughs> the men traveling with, with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not, what, see anything? So they led him by the hand to where? Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man, named, uh, a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him and restore his sight. Now, this is great. Now, check this. This is, this is a whole other sermon here. Verse 13. Here's Ananias. Lord, I've heard about this guy. And uh, he's not so good. Did you know that he came here with authority from the, the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name? I just see God in heaven going, oh my gosh, thank you, Ananias. I didn't, I didn't, realize, that. I didn't realize that about this guy. Oh my, Ananias, you're amazing, said sarcastically, right? I mean, like, Ananias has some guts to say, hey, here's what, God is so good, because I say some of the dumbest things, and I will say more dumb things, and God still loves me, and by the way, he still loves you, amen? And Ananias is just kind of going, ah, I know about this guy, don't send me. That's the loose translation. Well... Then we continue to read in verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul in a good way. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus has appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was what, church? He got up and he was baptized and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. That is Jesus up close. That is Jesus up close for Saul. If he was to stand here and give his testimony, he would give all the credentials and all the things that he was before Christ. And then he would say, and then there was this road to Damascus where I fell, I was zapped. I had this conversation with God. The guys walked me to a guy named Ananias. He told me the truth. And I said, Jesus is Lord. And I got baptized. I went from being one that destroyed and caused havoc in the church to one that built churches that, 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 that thrived in preaching the gospel in changed people's lives inside and out. That is a transformation story. That's bigger than Optimus Prime going from a robot to a truck. Amen? That's better than someone going from 230 pounds to 125 pounds, although those things might be good. The real transformation is happens when we say yes to Jesus Christ. And you say, well, well, if I had a road to Damascus experience, I would say yes to Jesus Christ, and I would challenge you on that. I would say, that sounds good, but maybe you are here and, and, and you haven't said yes to Christ because you're waiting for a road to the Mastic's experience. Or you could sit here and think with me. You know people that have had crazy things happen in their life and have not said yes to Jesus, right? 
Like, like for me, and I'm not gonna get into my testimony today, but that was me. I had all these opportunities to give my life to Jesus Christ in the first 18 years of my life. And yes, I got in a car accident, almost took my life, and every part of that thing was, was cr- crushed in, except for I survived all of it. But I could have walked out of that. And I told someone this a couple of years ago, where their son got in a really bad car accident going through Canaan, going to the beach or coming back from, I can't remember which one. And, and he was like, oh, we're so grateful. My wife and I that, you know, he survived. And we sure hope that this is an opportunity for him to wise up. And I just looked at him across the table as we were eating. And I said, one of two things is going to happen. One is he will wise up. He will go, oh my gosh, I almost died. This world's not about me. And I need to figure out who this Jesus is. Or two, he'll walk away saying, even a car crash to that extent couldn't take me. And unfortunately, two years later, that's at least the latest I heard. That's, where, that's his choice, right? So just because we have these awful things that happen in our life doesn't mean we automatically turn to Jesus. We have free will and we've got to make the choice. Amen? And, and so I want to just say this. Saul could have, I believe it to be true, Lord. Saul could have got up from that experience and said, you know what? Screw you. You know what? You're, you guys are just trying to send me away from the very thing I'm zealous about, and darn it, I'm going to stick with this. Right? He could have. But instead, he humbled himself to the truth that I think he already knew was in his heart. I don't have time for this, but if you read Acts chapter 7, you're going to see uh, Stephen, who's this incredible man that, uh, that said some incredible preaching for God, and, and he gets thrown into a pit, and they're all stoning him to death. And, and, and Saul is a young man, and he's off to the side approving of this. He's like, yes, get this guy. He's one of those people in the way. And, and, then, and then, Saul, uh, then Stephen's response is, just before the last rock hits him, and he's going to die and go to heaven, he's like... God, don't hold this sin against these guys. Like, that's a whole crazy story in itself. I, I could be wrong on this, my personal opinion. I think as he's on his way to road to Damascus before the lightning even hits, I think that's running through his heart and mind. Like, that, that faith of Stephen had to impact him. Like, wow. He's like, I saw a bunch of crazy things. So I think God was already stirring in his heart. So when he gets zapped on the road to Damascus, he's like, Lord, is that you? <laughs> the same one that Stephen was giving his life to? Again, we could agree to disagree on that, but I think that's powerful. Amen? So Saul, his life has changed. His name has changed to what? Paul. Paul wrote close to 50% of the New Testament. He started all kinds of churches, and he would be touted outside of Jesus Christ, the greatest, greatest evangelist to have ever lived. That's a life transformation, amen? And some of us could sit here in 2024, but okay, that's God, and he wanted to do this big thing and make this big statement so that that you could stand up and say all these things. But the truth is, God is still in the business of transformation. Today, And as I look across this room, and there's zero exaggeration in this, there are so many life story transformation stories that that just what I know in hanging out with you, what you've told me what you were like and now who you are. And here's what I know. None of us are done. By the way, we're still transforming. That's why Jesus period is so important. I loved it out in the lobby after this service. Two 70 plus year olds were talking and I just came up, gave them hugs and said hi and I started to walk away and the one guy taps me on the shoulder and he goes, Pastor, just remember, you're never too old to transform. And the lady's like, uh-huh, amen. 
We're never too young or never too old. It's never too late. And we're all in the process of transformation. We will never have arrived until the day we stand before Christ. And so we could always do better with our mouth. We could always do better with our eyes. We could always do better with our heart. We could always do better with our feet. We could always do better with anger. We could always do better with lust. We could always do better. We could always do better. And God has given us the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead to help us. Because when we can't, he can. And when I say always do better, that's not for you to go, oh, I'm not good enough. And I'm going to, no, remember, guilt is I've done something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong. None of us ought to walk out of here filled with shame. Conviction, that's another thing. Like, yeah, I need to probably rein in my tongue a little bit. (laughs) As one person told me. They said, man, that was interesting because I thought when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that was the transformation. But then she goes, but I realized the way I talked to my husband, (laughs) I need to still be transformed. She said that, not me. Does that make sense? That's why this is exciting. Because we don't have to be where we're at today. God wants us to continue to be in that process. Well, let's close off with what happened. That's the after Christ. If you look at Acts chapter 9, verse 19, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And he hasn't and, and hasn't he come here to take them prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is what? Messiah. You know what's exciting about this? They looked at this guy named Saul. They heard about the life transformation. They heard about him giving his life to Jesus. They were skeptical, and rightly so. But they just kept going, wait a second, that's that guy. He's different. And you know what? You're different. You may not be right where you want to be or right where you think God wants you to be, but don't undersell yourself. All of you have made some changes. All of you are a better version of who you were before Christ. We just want to keep doing that. Father in heaven, thank you for this story. Thank you for passages like 2 Corinthians, where it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Let us hold that. Let us hold on to Paul's words for, to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Let us also hold on to his words in Philippians, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. That just tells me you're not done with us. Thank you for that. God, thank you for this story today. May we be encouraged to continue to get up close with you. And let us see transformation not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. In Jesus' name. All God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day.
tender mercies and your love that you've always shown me. You forget all my rebellion.